and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're full season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. The baby rhino was back in Bear Country on Boxing Day, but it was heartbreak for Bristol, losing in the dying seconds to tabletop in Leicester. Here are our thoughts on the game and Genji's return home. We also take a look ahead to the New Year's Day game against West Country rivals Exeter. How will Pat and the team bounce back for the trip to Sandy Park? All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined on the line by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, we're recording this on Monday evening and uh, because of family commitments and travel commitments and uh, a bit of COVID uh, uh, secure meeting, we've decided to do this online. Um, Pete, let me come to you first. I think you're you're balancing on a stool with your iPad out of a window somewhere up north, aren't you? Well, yeah, I'm in North Shropshire, boys. And uh, just to, you know, raise the commitment levels, as you well know that I was here for Christmas, I drove back Boxing Day morning to come to the game, had a a cheeky little night on my own (laughs) in Bristol. And then I got up early this morning and drove back to the family uh, to see them. They hadn't even noticed I'd gone. (laughs) So I'm back in North Shropshire now. Excellent. But there Excellent. ain't a lot of. It's rural. There's not a lot, as you rightly say, Tone. There's not a lot of signal up here. Excellent. And Lee, how are you, fella? Can I get a glimpse of the uh, the Christmas tree there in the in the room? The, the tree's still there, Tone. Look at that. Looking splendid. Oh, beautiful. Pro- as, as as you know, I absolutely hate Zoom, so I'm trying to. Um, multitask talk into the phone without looking at the screen because otherwise after after 45 minutes of recording i'm going to have a split headache which is a resembling a bit like peeps really <laughs> and miles how are you fella have you have you got over that uh, boxing day disappointment yet uh, a little bit. I had a bit of a headache this afternoon. I don't think that was through beer. Maybe it was just disappointment. But yeah, quite a day today. Still polishing off for turkey, pigs in blankets, and just having a another another little cheeky beer in BS3. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's talk about that game then. Uh, big crowd, nearly twenty one thousand at Ashton Cape on Boxing Day, live on BT Sport. Uh, and uh, Bristol 26, Leicester 28. But before we talk about the action on the day, let me come to you, Lee. Your thoughts when uh, the team sheet came out, uh, how confident were you that we'd be able to take on the tabletopping Tigers? Well, I'm going to be honest, Tone. I mean, I think we all predicted a narrow win, didn't we, on the pod last week? Um, when I saw that Tigers team, I was uh, not quite confident, to, to put it politely. Um, in fact, I was very worried for old Toby uh, Fricker on the wing, um, you know, having to having to face the beast, um, Nandolo. Um, and it was, I mean, I think it was probably the strongest um, Leicester Tigers side that we've seen in many a year. So, yeah, I wasn't quite so confident. In fact, I thought we might get a little bit of a muller in, if I'm honest. Shellacky. A, a discombobulation. Yeah, and of course we saw Afoa, who was down to uh, play in Paris the week before, suddenly uh, wasn't on the team sheet at all, Pete. Uh, was that a little bit of a concern for you? Well, yeah. I mean, but it's a kind of surprise as well. And 
kind of links into what we've been discussing this season, a, a kind of slight lack of communication about whether players are actually fit or not fit or out of uh, favour. And I think it was a surprise to, 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 to not see a foe, because I think we said last last episode, didn't we, that we thought we'd have, you know, a foe or Sinclair on the bench to come on in the second half uh, and replace each other. But obviously, you know, as it panned out, Kyle played the full 80, didn't he, in the end? So maybe uh, maybe they felt it was time to rest Big John for, for uh, challenges to come. I just want to say, I was, I was surprised that Pat actually didn't go for the two tight heads, you know, as, as Miles could <laughs> put in the front row at the same time. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as eventually I predicted, uh, we did have Ian Thomas Harry Thacker and Carl Sinclair in the front row. So uh, I think once I saw those three on the team sheet, I was, yeah, quietly confident that, you know, we, we'd be able to face them. And just picking up that, on that point, this uh, Miles' idea of playing two tight heads, uh, Pete, I believe you met someone after the game that uh, maybe questioned the uh, the viability of that uh, oh, that that theory. I have got to say that I, I think I've met our most uh, famous pod listener. Actually, uh, it was Martin Joyce, uh, jo- Joyce's dad, who uh, who I, I had a drink with and met in the in the clubhouse afterwards. And he's a he's a big pod listener. But he's a very critical listener, I've got to say, and he did give me a hard time. And fair play to him because that's what we always ask for is honest feedback. And he did use the phrase, who's the clown? Who thought there were two tight heads in the front row? And I said, oh, that, yeah, that's Miles. And uh, and so uh, we had a bit of a laugh about that. And then he did question our uh, credentials. He asked me if I played combination rugby. I said, look, honestly, Martin, it's a fan thing. We've never said that we've played rugby to a high level. We just say it as we see. But I've got to say, he was very complimentary. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just really good. It, we had a great chat and uh, appreciate it, Martin. Thanks for listening every mon- every every Monday. And we, all we can do is just apologise for all, for all the stuff we get wrong. But we do do our best. <laughs> uh, Miles, uh, we, we were sat there waiting for the game to kick off and uh, we noticed that uh, Luke Morahan was uh, warming up one of the uh, extra players just in case there were any injuries. Were you a little bit surprised Morahan wasn't in the 23? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, I mean, the team sheet was great. I mean, it's one of the best we could have fielded, not knowing the full extent of injuries. But I, I sort of agree with Lee. I was a little bit worried about the lightness of Fricker and, and Lloyd on the wings to face Nandolo. Uh, and um, so actually, yeah, to see him warming up was strange, really. We we don't know quite what's what's wrong with him, but that does probably mean he's not far off coming back. Or, or was it a tactical decision? He was being saved for uh, for for maybe the Exeter game, but you would have thought someone with Morahan's experience uh, would have been a useful player either to start or uh, have on the bench. Anyway, so the game kicked off, Lee, and uh, your concerns about Toby Fricker were uh, well founded. I think he lasted four minutes, didn't he, before uh, having to come off uh, injured. Yeah, you know, I don't know how bad, obviously, the injury was. But, um, I mean, I, I think actually, I mean, without being too critical to Toby, but um, I, I was quite pleased when Purdy came on because I just I felt that we kind of really, if, if in my opinion, we would have started with Purdy. Um, just that little bit more strength. Um, so, you know, you were talking about like for like replacements. I don't think it was a bad one to come on, was it, after, after four or five minutes? Um 
and get the purge to uh, get the pistons going again. Hey, you want to come in? Yeah, I'll just say I, I think we. I mean, I think we've got to respect uh, what Toby's record in the last few Premiership games. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, We've always, but he's actually. When you look at him, he's a big unit as well, Toby Fricker. I, I think that, you know, I think we. Are, it was a really unfortunate for him that he got injured, and it, and it was good to see Purdy come on. In in many ways, it wasn't really a, a change, but so I think you know, I think we have to give credit to to Toby. He earned his right to be there, and uh, and um, you know, we don't want him to feel we want him don't want him to feel upset because he's injured as well now, isn't he? And I don't want him to feel upset that we thought he shouldn't have started. So. Uh, um, I think your, your point is good, though, is that it was a good replacement, but uh, he'd earned his right to be there. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, Miles, it was quite a cagey start. Ford uh, landed a penalty after about 15 minutes, uh, and then uh, Bristol scored the first try of the game, and what a wonderful uh, try that was. Uh, all started with Harry Randall uh, scooping the ball up uh, in the middle of the park. Um, you're quite optimistic at that point? Well, I was. I mean, that's a fantastic run from Randall. He certainly got his spark back. And um, I think it was, I thought it was amazing, his run, literally diagonally across the pitch, drawing player after player after player. And rightly so, he did a fantastic job, sort of popped it to Lloyd on the wing. Unfortunately, Leicester's cover was pretty good on that front, but he obviously popped it inside to... Uh, you know, solid, solid pack, and over we went. But I thought the the ingenuity of, of Randall to uh, uh, see that running line and space was was it's, it's what he's so good at, and um, it, it was a brilliant, brilliant start. Absolutely, and I mean, Fitzharding finished that uh, move off. I mean, Pete, he was like an exocet, wasn't he? Uh, I didn't, I didn't think he he was going to get near the try line, let alone uh, on it or over it. But it was a tremendous launch into uh, a, a field of Leicester legs. Mate, if we have had any doubt about the physicality of Fitzharding, which, by the way, I don't think we have, but if anybody had any doubt, that put those rumours to, to rest. I mean, you're right, he, he put... Well, he literally put his body on the line, the try line, didn't he? And uh, I mean, didn't he take out Marco van Staden as well at the same time? So, yeah, I mean, that is, that's the sort of thing that gets the fans going, doesn't it? It was a high-octane run-in. Uh, I mean, even Yoan Lloyd took a great little step inside, you know, took the contact. We've re- for, for once, it's something we've always banged on about, but we recycled that ball seriously quickly. And yeah... Fitzharding taking uh, a great running line, and uh, but he, he, you know, he, the way he put his head forward, that was fantastic. And it was, you're right, Tony. Was a, it was an exocet, um, and and a fan, That's the sort of try that just got the crowd going. In we were, that's what we needed. We needed that that energy to get us going. So fair play to all of them. Yeah, uh, I've got to yeah, say though, no, watching watching uh, Harry Randall run sideways along, it was a little bit like when a kid goes into a shop and nicks some st- sweets or something, and then starts getting chased <laughs> by. I kind of had this feeling of these these coppers running after him with holding their hats like that, you know, and uh, him running away. It was it was good, but he did very well to keep the ball alive. So fair play to him for that. Lee, you wanted to come in there. Yeah, I just wanted to say I totally agree with Pete there. I think that the the tried it hard and scored. I mean, it was physicality and it was the the speed as well and um you know without being critical of Nathan Hughes but I don't see Hughes scoring a try like that so I mean it just justifies um Fitzarden's inclusion in the in the in the first team for me yeah 
Absolutely. Well, we we had another couple of sheedy penalties then. Uh, got to just before half time. I think there was three or four minutes to go, and uh, and and Olo scored. Um, uh, we, we, I think our, our first impression, Lee, was was it, it it was a try, but then we when we saw the replay, there was a question of had he control of it, and I think we've all learned a lesson now that uh, you can uh, you can score a try with downward pressure on your belly. Um, uh, it seemed to uh, according to the commentary, but uh, do, do you think it was right that uh, that try uh, try stood? Well, it's funny though, wouldn't it? Because I mean, it we both said it. It you know it actually live it did look like a try all day long didn't it so um, it did, but yeah. then like you say when it, when it went back to the screen and then you started thinking every every time it started playing back it it just looked more and more like he dropped the ball and literally like you say landed on it with his belly but you know obviously you when you slow things down to that extent they always do look a lot worse don't they than in real time. Yeah. So I mean I, I don't think we can I don't think we can really have too many complaints if I'm honest. Uh, Pete, you want to mention something? Yeah, I just, I just I agree with you. I mean, ultimately, it would have been a, an unwarranted bonus if it hadn't been um, scored because you know he, he had created that himself and he got a lucky bounce and and you know it, it was a try in in really it, should, it was. But I mean, I, it was annoying try from our point of view because it came from it came from a Harry Randall turnover didn't it and he it, when we got the ball in our 22 and he got turned over and then it was just it was just a frustrating try to concede um because we got you know they hadn't really looked that they were going to break our back line we, we'd been defending like trojans and you know even just that it's one of those things that when you're not when when things aren't with you it goes doesn't go it goes against you doesn't it like even the little I mean it was a great little chip through from Maroney I think but even the fact that it, it you know it popped up and you know even the cover didn't quite get there and it, it was just it was just a I thought it was a poor try to concede when we were in the ascendancy and you know and and, and we gave them that opportunity to to score it from a a, a restart that we had we had had and it, it you know it was this we were joking at uh, half time tone, weren't we? That every it, it seems to be a constant thing is that we score and then concede, we score and then concede, and it was just a, it was just an annoying, you know. Ultimately, in the end, it came down to like the last minute, but it, and you know they will score tries, but it was it was a it was a disappointing trial in many diff- in many ways. I think not least the luck that it popped up for him nicely. Yeah, uh, and also it changes the momentum going into half time as well, doesn't it? Because we're in the ascendancy, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, we're kind well, of. I mean, I play. I blame TC because Tony, you were going, oh yeah, thirteen three. We'd have taken that at half time, wouldn't we? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, your fault. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, and Miles, then uh, it was thirteen ten at half time. Uh, we, we'd seen a good performance. I think Bristol uh, certainly defensively and uh, putting thirteen points on the the league leaders. How confident were you at half time that we? Uh, well, one, we were in it, but two, we could we could go on and win it. Um, I mean, I was, you know, ecstatically, we were still in the game and obviously three points ahead at half time. But I think, you know, statistically, Leicester, when they've been a bit down in the dumps at the first half, they've, they've always come back and won the game. Uh, and, and that's proved again yesterday. But I think we were playing brilliantly. That was our sort of, there was great passion. And I think we were actually well, very well matched in the first half. So... 
I think uh, I think I thought if we came out and played as well as we did in the first half, I was confident that the game would be very close anyway, and, and we would probably get the win. Well, the second half started. Sheedy and Ford uh, exchanged penalties again. Uh, Leicester scoring very quickly after we'd scored, uh, and then we got to the fifty-first minute, um, uh, and then a I think was it a. Um, was it a free kick at the scrum? And Randall took the, the quick tap. And uh, unlike in Gloucester, the Gloucester game, where uh, uh, we kind of ran into a brick wall, this was this was more like Bristol of last year, Pete, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean, we were. It was a, it was a it was a nice uh, it was a nicely delayed pass to Semi, who then I think took the contact or just actually got through a tackle and then then offloaded it to Yoen. Um, and it was a great, it was a great opportunist try. Um, it, I think we were again a little bit lucky with the ref there because he had given a free kick for the kind of wheeling scrum, and and, it, and the scrum had wheeled away that like the whole of the Leicester pack were kind of had wheeled the opposite direction, and uh, you know so we we got a you know we got a break, we got a lucky break. You know these things happen. So you know in the big picture when we moan about other things, we have to be careful, but. Yeah, I mean, it was exe- you still got to execute these things. However much luck, and and uh, and I do. I watched the game back this morning, and and I they did. Leicester were moaning about that, and the ref said, "Look, it was a free kick. I gave it. He's within his rights to, and off we go." And I and I think he's right, but it is unlucky. So I I could be a bit. I could see how Leicester be a little bit aggrieved with that, but you know, he's still got to finish it. And they missed a tackle, and Sammy did a fantastic, uh, you know, little off, off offload out the back of the hand, a little bit of backhand boogie. From Sammy and uh, and Yoin came in. I must admit, having watched it on telly again, something Jasper Visa. I hate this thing when they when players have already grounded the ball and you see covering tacklers come in sliding in knee first. And Visa did that, and I just think that's something that you know. I just think that's something that we got to try and eradicate is uh, from the game. It happens a lot. Diving, it's like when Vin, Billy Vunapola dived in in that first game. It's just it, players just seem to get away with it, where it seems to me like a, a really dangerous thing to do. And I mean, obviously, Visa got his uh, he got his comeuppance later on, but yeah, you know, it's just one of those little things that I just think is little niggles that they could easily take out of the game. That you know, it's hard enough as it is, let alone getting some big South African coming in with two knees. But yeah, great try. And Lee, uh, I think this was uh, there was about thirty minutes to go. Uh, and then a landmark occasion for Bears beyond the gate, because I think it was either, I think it was shortly after the try was scored, there was some kind of infringement and uh, Genji as captain of Leicester Tigers was called to uh, speak to the referee in front of the Dolman stand. And then the, uh, the, the massed ranks of the E30 block choir started to sing He's coming home. He's coming home. Genji's coming home. Now, at first, the little ripple went round our bit of the stadium, and then, to our absolute delight, what happened next? Well, that it was beautiful, team, wasn't it? Because I mean, me, you, and Pete initially started the whole thing off, and then, and then it, it like you say, it died down, and then Pete dropped out on us, didn't he? And he said, "Well, that went well." <laughs> And then we gave it another little go, didn't we? And then, um, then all of a sudden, the the whole dolman is up, and then, um, and we'd started a song for the first time ever, team. So, uh, yeah, full credit, lads. That was brilliant. Uh, obviously, Miles, you know, he, he was doing the um, the conducting, wasn't he? Without actually singing anything, but uh, 
and it was nice because then we could hear it in uh, in sections in the safe stand as well, couldn't we? So uh, yeah, well done, boys. That was uh, that was that was one nil to us, wouldn't it? In uh, in in the old song terms. Absolutely. Just just to correct you. I think we've started songs quite often. It's just just getting them going has been the the main problem. Pete, you want to make a comment? Well, I just think I think it's only fair that we should name check one of our list our followers who did who did kind of reply to it on one of the tweets earlier in the week and suggested that Genji's coming home is a good song to sing. And I think it was it was Tony Campbell. I think it's uh, at, I'm just trying to look it up now, but I think we should give some credit to him, at Campbell A. Tony, who uh, you know, gave us that kind of idea. And I must admit, though, having said all that, I've seen a few posts on Facebook with other people suggesting that they were the ones that started the chart. And I'm right. sorry, I, I've got to say, you know, I agree with you, Tony. We clearly in the in the Dolman, we were the, definitely the first people because we've been talking about if we could do it and when we could do it, and it was a hesitant start. And we went again, didn't we? We counterrupted the silence, yeah. and then it just—I saw people around. It like it was like a kind of it was a it was a it was almost a religious moment around Ooh. there where all <laughs> types of people, all ages, all creeds all genders were just, it was like a community choir and uh, it was brilliant. And that's got, I've got to say, I mean, joking aside, has there been any other chant that big at a Bristol home mat game that isn't Bristol? I, I, I can't think of one. No. Apart from when Downsy goes, it's time for dance cam, and everyone yeah. goes, mm. that's about the only <laughs> other mass chant I've ever heard. But anyway, yeah, Lee, you want to come in there, fella? Uh, no, I didn't actually. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought you were waving. You thought you were waving at me then. No, I mean it, no. it, it. It was fantastic, and I think the Genji's coming home. It was heard and mentioned on commentary on BT Sport, and uh, I, I think I've seen it. I can't remember. I think a paper report has also uh, referred to it. Plenty of. Uh, talk on on social media as well so uh, well done Bears Beyond the Gate but let's get back to the action on the day um, so uh, we've got about uh, coming up to about 55-56 minutes we're still in the lead uh, and then Leicester score their uh, try I think it was one, it was a driving ball from a line out uh, Miles I mean that was classic Leicester this season wasn't it uh, absolutely. I, I think um, once we saw they sort of got uh, got the line out on the driving mall uh, and they had a bit between their teeth and I think that was really only going one way. They were either waiting for us to sort of yeah, collapse them all and get a penalty try, but they didn't need to. They, you know, fair and square. It was a good drive. They've been hard to stop all season doing that. Uh, that's good coaching from the scrum coach and fair play. That was a, a well-worked try from them. Yeah, and was it's the hooker, wasn't it? Was it Monto- Montoya? Montoya. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, in, in commentary, they kept calling it Montoya, so uh, they're very particular on BT Sport. But yeah, it was good. It yeah. Was good. And then uh, about five minutes after that, Ford uh, gets a penalty to make it twenty-three all. It's on a knife edge. But having said that, you know, I thought it was great atmosphere at Ashton Gate. It's best atmosphere we've had for. For, mm. for many a game. Uh, <laughs> Since the first half of the Harlequins match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then, uh, yeah, with eight minutes remaining, there was that really nasty follow-through challenge on uh, on Sheedy Lee. Um, he, he was down for a while, and I, I think we we were chatting. We were worried that could have been quite serious on his leg. Yeah, sorry, Tony. I just well, when you when you mentioned follow through, I thought you might have been talking about me later on. <laughs> so, I was, yeah, Sheedy. Let's talk about Sheedy. Yeah, I mean, it did look like an awful one, didn't it? It did look like it was possibly a leg breaker. And um, I mean, obviously, Sheedy's getting a, a lot of attention this season. Um, you know, fortunately for him, I mean, these these guys are made of um, a lot more tougher material than we are, aren't they? And, you know, she Sheets was, um, you know, back up and ready to go again after, but it, it looked awful. Um, and obviously, I mean, it did warrant a yellow card, didn't it? So, you know, actually we were shouting for red, but obviously we would do, wouldn't we, being, uh, being Bears fans. But, um, I mean, we did just, you've forgotten there to mention that there was that penalty that Sheedy missed on 71 minutes, which, you know, ultimately, without being too critical, would have would have won us the game. And and it was one that really I don't think we we should let slip by because it was central to the post and you know it, it even though Callum had a fantastic game uh, kicking the points I mean that was one that actually we we did ruin the end wasn't it Well it, there was a couple of kicks wasn't there We decided to mm. kick for goal when we were almost by the touchline just barely inside our half. Uh, and, and and he fell well short with that. Uh, we had the one lined up midfield, probably still, was it about on the 10 metre line? Um, yeah. And really, you would have expected someone of his quality to, to nail that one in front of the post. So after he got clobbered, actually to get back, having just missed two uh, and slot it, uh, was was a good uh, good result, but uh, yeah, you, you look back now and think that one in front of the post. If only you'd got that, uh, it could have been really different. Miles, I think you would have come in. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. He, he was injured a bit, but you know, in a in the sort of in the olden days, he was aware. We knew that we had a big kicker in in the likes of Madigan, didn't we? And then on the pitch, we know we've got a good kicker in the form of um, Bedlow. So I, I don't know why at points really it, there's no shame in if you need a bigger kicker to kick to the touch or kick a slightly longer kick, giving it to another man. And I think maybe that one on the halfway line could have been the opportunity to, for Bedlow to step up. So I was a little bit disappointed he wasn't really given a few more chances at, at the kicks. Right, I'm going to go to Lee and then Pete, you want to come in on a comment, Lee. Yeah, just quickly, backing Miles up there, I, I'm pretty sure I saw Sam Bedler go over to um, Chidi and ask if um, if you wanted him to take it. And if you've got someone like Bedler on a pitch, I absolutely agree with Miles. He's we already know the length of, of of his kicks, or you know, he's probably the longest kicker in the in the um, in the squad. And I just feel in that in that situation, why don't we use Sam Bedler more for those long range kicks? I, I don't understand it. Pete yeah I, I I just wanted to say I, in defence of Callum I think it, he had been kicking so well off the tee that you know I think I, I can understand why he went for it I was more disappointed really that perhaps we didn't go to the corner on that one uh, and, and then at least put a bit more pressure or on the same, so it's a difficult one. I mean, it's all you know. It, it's hard, I guess, if you're a if you're an understudy kicker, just suddenly to do one out of the blue, 
is a is is a decision that's got to be made on the pitch that it can be difficult. And um, you're right, is it, yeah, he's got a longer range. But I just think up to that point, Sheedy had been kicking so well, maybe he just felt confident. But I actually think that it was a wrong, perhaps a potentially a wrong decision to even take the kick and and just keep piling the pressure on. I think the other thing I would say though that in more of a debate really is is actually using other kickers out of the hand. And and we did have the same old issue with. Uh, you know, some of some of the kicks from penalties, you know, didn't really go the distance. And and I know it's a difficult one because if if you miss one, then it looks a lot worse than getting a short one, a shorter one in. But you know, when you see what George Ford does and, and how confident he is to really go for those touches in the twenty-two from penalties, there are a few times, particularly when they're on the other side of the pitch, you wonder whether Charles Piertow couldn't have a go with his left foot, you know, and, and angle it in. So I kind of I know where you're coming from with with um, kicking out the tee. I think it's a bit harsh to criticise him for that one because he was probably his pecker was up. But I do think there is a debate to be had about you know can are there other other players um, that can take kicks into touch? Because I know like Henry Slade does it for Exeter, doesn't he, with his left foot? And you know yeah. I, he doesn't. He's not always the one. So you know it's just a, it's just up there for debate. I'm sure I get shot down by people, but just that sort of struck me when you said that. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think that one that was wide out and near the halfway line, I, I think for anybody to to successfully kick that, that, that was an incredibly difficult kick. And uh, I, I just think it was the wrong decision. We, sh- we should have gone down into the corner. Maybe, maybe they just felt it was so close to the touchline that you weren't going to get much mileage out of it anyway into touch although you know that would have been a left footer's chance there I, I don't know maybe maybe I mean we don't know do we we're only speculating and it is what it is the decision was made Go on, Lee. I'd say one, one thing I would say though I mean can we remember that the lino was an av- having an absolute oh. nightmare wasn't he I mean he didn't yeah. know his left from his right and and there was one one in the first half that he'd actually he'd put the wrong side and he'd given it the wrong the wrong way and then he kind of levelled it up when um, <laughs> there was a kickback five minutes later. And I mean, God knows what would have happened if, um, you know, where, where he would have lined up if we would have tried to kick that into touch. I don't know. Well, that, that, that was a comedy moment, wasn't it? Because we, uh, we, we, we were defending the South Stand, weren't we, at the time? We, we cleared touch. There's the flag uh, that marks the halfway line. And you could see the ball bounce behind the flag. And then, then he gives the uh, line out into uh, in, into the other half, wasn't it? And yeah. the flag, yeah, the, the other side it's of the like, flag. It was it was just thought, unbelievable. It was impossible yeah, to like, be where it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, but Lee was right. Then there, a similar thing happened again, and he did it the other way. I mean, it was it was quite it was comical, and. Yeah. Uh, um, Anyway, Sorry, that was Leicester, wasn't it? It was Leicester kicking. Yeah, Leicester, they yeah. were they were defending, and yeah, yeah. they 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 had it in Bears territory when it. Yeah, because we, we commented on the fact we thought he, he, it was his, his his way of evening it up, wasn't it? Yeah, so ne- ne- no, he's probably hoping nobody noticed. Yeah, we <laughs> saw him, and and Miles actually talking about things uh, off the pitch as well. Uh, we we're all four season card holders that sit in block E thirty, and we we had some entertainment on the stairs, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Pete whinging about uh, stadium geography because there's so were many visiting fans on Boxing Day, yeah, we were we were you know you could talk about meters made by each team, which is pretty close, wasn't it? But I felt like the highest stats of the match 
um, was there was a steward going up and down the stairs next to Pete on the end. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, he must have done 30,000 steps in one afternoon, I think. So, uh, I mean, all the other, all the other, uh, the officials were sort of just stood there, you know, keeping an eye on safety, but, um, you know, good on, good on him. He was up and down that, that stair, like no, like, like he had, he, he had a bee in his bonnet. And Lee, we 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 cottoned on to this, wouldn't we? You and I were having a little game then each time he went past us. Well, for it, I mean, it, it happened so often, didn't it? We actually, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, we started making up songs, didn't we? Like um, "Stairway to Heaven," wasn't it? And a couple just, you know, like kind of, you know, one step at a time, sweet Jesus. Hey, we were trying to do a different song every time he went past. <laughs> it was. I mean, and then we went from that to to literally, we we did contemplate. Doing a Mexican wave, didn't we? Every time he went past. <laughs> I mean, like what was he actually thing. doing? Because I don't actually understand what he was doing. Because there was no, uh, what it was. It is just a personal exercise routine to keep you know keep his legs from stopping getting pins and needles. Because it didn't appear to be any kind of issues going on in the stunt. Well, he, he was either being very thorough, wasn't he, and checking all the the the, the customers, uh, all the fans, all the way to the back of the the stand. Well, yeah, he was just on a bit of an exercise routine, wasn't he, for himself? Can I just add in also that I must say that I'm, based on what Miles said before, I'm not against visiting fans per se coming to the ground. <laughs> it, it does add to the atmosphere. I'm, what I'm against is idiots that go up the wrong aisle and then stop and look around, usually holding loads of drinks, and then don't know what row number they are and whatever. So... You know, it, it's it's. I just want to. I don't. I'm not per se against the way fans. There were some I, I, fans no, doing it as well. I've got to say. And for, re- and for and for regular listeners, I think that's the 407th time that Pete's <laughs> mentioned that on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, anyway, Lee, over to you. In, in Miles' defence, I think he meant visiting fans generally because because I saw at least three or four Bristol supporters as well that, that didn't get their stadium geography right as well. But I, I don't know, Miles, was that what you were meaning? You were just meant I mean, fans yeah. that were in the stadium. Exactly. It wasn't just Leicester fans. It was, uh, I think, anyone unfamiliar with the ground. But I, to be fair, you can't knock it because it was fantastic to have over 20,000 fans on the day. So, yeah, thanks for them. Thanks for them all to coming. And better, better geography next time, please. Yeah, and then, I, I mean, I think we now need to talk about that, that closing in a uh, few minutes of the game with 26-23 up playing against 14 men uh, there's about a minute left on the clock happy days we thought we were going to see this out against the unbeaten Tigers Pete let me come to you uh, talk, talk me through that uh, how you saw that that final well it ended up five minutes didn't it well I don't know where to start really I mean it <laughs> You know, generally, let's just make the general point that when you are, you have possession of the ball and you have one man extra and there is not a lot of time left on the clock, you've, you know, you've got to think that the law of averages state that you're going to win that game. Um, I, To be honest, there was a number of things and I can't quite remember which order it went. There was some, I know that there, I ultimately... We, we had possession of the ball, didn't we, with a min- less than a minute to go. And we popped it wide to the blind side and, and Harry, Harry Thacker got turned over to give them a penalty, which again, 
you know, it happens, it happens. But I just think that it, the one time you want to protect the ball as much as possible as a unit, that is the time. And I mean, I think Nick Dolly got it. And I mean, I, I looked at it on the replay. I've got to say, this sounds real sour grapes, but Tommy Rafael went into that ruck, but he definitely, definitely didn't go in through the back door. Anyway, let's leave it at that. And then, of course, it led to that kind of relatively... Well, nobody really knew what was going on when they, George Ford, I mean, fair play to George Ford. He went for a big kick deep into the 22. And, well, let, let, let's know. just wind back because Andy Urin yeah. kicked, kicked the ball away, didn't he? Uh, yeah, but we, bef- yeah, before but that, I, uh, and then we got the ball back though, didn't we? We had possession of the ball before that and what, we what, gave away a penalty. What, wasn't there a knock on? Did we have a, I can't remember, was it a scrum? I but but yeah, then we we I thought it was Luatua that got caught in uh, was it Luatua that got caught? Oh, it might be Luatua. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was, um, um, and got isolated, somebody. didn't he? And yeah. uh, they got the penalty. Sorry, yeah. George Ford went for it, and then we saw the Charles Piotel amazing uh, juggling I, act. While I I know you might ask someone else, but while I remember it, a comment was made to me about about that. An interesting thing that you know in cricket, when sometimes uh, they, they they there's like the, the the fielder trying to tries to go to stop it going over for a six and jumps up. You often get another fielder getting very close to kind of then field the ball and do and field it in. And actually, it made me think that on that moment when you knew full well that they were going for touch, it would have been good to have like a couple of players, someone with Charles Peter, so he didn't feel the mm. need to like really throw it back in. All he needed to do was just tap it back or make, you know, and it's harsh It's in that moment. But you do wonder that actually, if you know they're going for a kick and you know there's an outside chance that you might be able to get it, you would have more than one person there kind of working as a team. It's just a little point someone else made. Is that my mate Mark Newell made that point to me? And it was actually quite a good one. But, you know, how often does that happen? That's the question. Yeah, and I think, oh, Lee, is, is you want to come in? Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, I, I think we all agree, though, uh, Charles Piotr had to go, you know, he had to try something, didn't he? Because ultimately they were going to get the line out. And even with 14 men, they would have fancied their chances to to have gone over, I think, in the corner. So mm. I, I can't really thought Would have shortened the misery. <laughs> but, but ultimately, like you say, it was, we were saying it was 58 seconds on that clock at the end. And we had all our forwards up there. Why can't we just shove up the jumper, do the old school thing, <laughs> keep the ball and see the timeout? I mean, it was it was awful, wasn't it? And I, I know you say these things can happen, and I know we're on a you know on a losing streak, and and this these things do tend to to happen like that when you're on a losing streak. But 58 seconds, we should you know we should be able to see that out. It is. And and it's not it's not an isolated incident, is it? This is time after time after time, and and it's like you boys mentioned earlier, we concede literally a couple of minutes after we score all the time, and you know, and it just makes you it's so frustrating. But having said that, I do agree that was our best performance I think this season, and the spirit and the character was was immense. From yeah, the well, so I don't want to take anything from that. No, let's let's finish off the game, Miles. Let, let let me come to you. It was uh, decided that Piatau's uh, valiant effort was, and it was forward uh, the way he brought the ball in. And in fact, I saw something on social media. I, I, I'm not an expert on the laws of the game, but someone said 
actually he would have needed to have started in play, jumped out of play without touching the ground to pull it back in for it to be legal this season. In fact, he, he, he had feet outside. So that's a whole new different talking point potentially. But anyway, it was a judge forward. They get the uh, scrum and, you know, we were still, there was that hope, wasn't it? That, you know, they were a man down in the scrum that actually maybe the fact that we hadn't conceded the line out, we know how good their maul is, that actually a scrum, you know, they are they going to put a back into the scrum? Surely this is where our, the big blue wall was going to come into its own. We shouldn't have been in that position, but we were going to defend. But take it away, Miles. I mean... Well, well <laughs> it, it, it was such a huge disappointment, wasn't it, of the last sort of what felt like a 60 seconds, really, uh, of just a wall of Leicester attacking players. I think you're right. I think they were flitting between bringing a back in as number eight and removing a back as number eight, wouldn't they? When they felt like we were on the attack and, and they would be a man down in the back line. So it was surprising. We knew we needed a big push in that last last scrum. And again, it didn't come, did it? Uh, and, and you could ask questions, why not? Uh, but Leicester, given their due, they were spinning across the field and clearly trying to draw a penalty, weren't they? Any mistake. We were tackling brilliantly, defending fantastically. Um, and it just, you know, in, in the last sort of 10 seconds, it was just so unfortunate that why do they have a man over with, with a man down? And I think, was it Nick Dolly spun it out to... Eventually, Porter on the wing, and you can't argue that it was a great try, but oh, it was disappointing, you know, result of the whole season, I'd say. It, it, it was a, a magnificent effort by them. And to be honest, there was a couple of times that they looked like they had overlaps in that, that phase of play. I think it was about the yeah. third attempt uh, that they actually did it. Pete, let me come to you. You know, should there have been a man completely, you know, free to run it in? Uh, on the wing like that? Well, no, I, I, I don't think so. And I, and I think it was about the only time in the whole game that our defensive line looked vulnerable. And I, it's just hard to compute. And I, I've got to say credit to Leicester. I don't think they were looking to draw a penalty. I think they were looking to win the game. They were looking to score a try. Because when you think about it, what do they have to lose? It didn't really matter if they lost that game. They'd been unbeaten. They would have still got a losing bonus point. I mean, that was their mentality to, to score a try. And, and I think we have to give them credit for that. I mean, there was a, cl- a cheeky obstruction in that. In those, I think it went backwards and forwards three times. And I think I... I sent you the screen grab of the of the uh, of yeah. the BT Sport this morning, and there was that. You know, it, I know these things. I'm not going to use this as an excuse, but it is frustrating. Where what we were trying to do really was we were the ones that were trying to draw a penalty or something like, or a knock on or something to finish the game. But there was a clear obstruction where Nick Dolly got in front of whoever had the ball. It was one of their lumps, and I think Fitz Harding was was coming to tackle. I I don't know the laws on this and I like maybe they'll say that he got tackled anyway so it, it wasn't genuine but it was just so I mean like you said Tony like it, for all of the effort and the fantastic the huff and puff and, and everything in the whole or every other controversial decision it didn't it came down to that last minute or two and we just didn't come out the right side and and it was it was it, it was very frustrating on a number of levels not least for the players who looked down and out 
Oh, absolutely. I don't think I can remember maybe other than that semi-final defeat where I've seen so many players just sink to their knees at the end of a game. Um, I was looking at that. I'm not quite sure if the, it's the final stats that are on the Gallagher Premiership website, but uh, we, we made almost twice the number of tackles that Leicester did. I mean, there, there was no quarter given. And, and, and the point that you made, Pete, our defence looks so good for virtually the whole game. Uh, but just in that last minute or two when they were attacking, uh, it, 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 we, we just couldn't get organised. But Leicester reminded me of how we were playing last season towards the end of games that, you know, there was that confidence, there was that swagger and we were going for, for tries to win. Lee, I think think you would have come in on point. I just wondered if we were going to mention the elephant in the room and that was... Um... That was, you know, I mean, Genji was was pretty immense, wasn't he? He obviously had the bit between his teeth. I think Pete mentioned last week on the pod that he's going to come out all guns blazing, and he did. Um, showing that nice as well, you know, with kind of that shoulder drop in again, you know, and then, you know, it's, it's really clever play, but I, I did think that Synchro got scored, in my opinion. I don't know what you boys thought. We didn't have chance to talk about it after the game did we but I mean I I, I thought that was I, I did think that that was um, that was quite noticeable to me anyway yeah I, I, I Sinclair won one or two penalties didn't he Genji certainly got his his fair share uh, I, I think for me as a fan to, to see both of those two in a, a bear shirt uh, next season in a front row, I think I think people won't fancy uh, coming to, to Bristol and playing against those. But just while we're on Genji, you know, um, or let's round up the game. So uh, Ford misses the conversion from the touchline. That's it. We lose 26-28. A fantastic game of rugby for us to witness live. I'm sure for all the people watching at home on the television, a, a, a wonderful game to see. And, and credit to Leicester. Um, you know, they, they fought really hard and won the game when, when they were down to 14 men. But as you said uh, a few moments ago, uh, Lee, I think also credit to Bristol. We can talk about some of the slight errors, some of the uh, things that didn't quite work on the pitch. But I think everyone that I've seen on social media is probably uh, united in saying that was our best performance of the season. And, uh, uh, you know, we we were a whisker away from beating the the standout team of this season. Um, Pete, just following up on that that comment about Genji that that Lee made, uh, I think on your, your... post-match pub crawl of BS3, uh, there was somebody else that you spoke to, and I believe you recorded a little clip. Well, yeah, I mean, we didn't discuss this at the beginning, but I did go, I did have a, a, a couple of cheeky beers after the game, first in the sports bar and then in another hostelry in uh, BS3. And I did, uh, I did as well as talking to uh, uh, Martin um, Joyce, I did get to talk to uh, Genji's dad, uh, uh, Richard. And uh, yeah, well, I was with, I was with a couple of our longtime uh, stalwart followers, uh, Binzi and Mike, and they seem to know basically everybody as far as I can tell, not only in the sports bar, but in most of BS3 as well and did all the necessary introductions and 
it wasn't me. I was being quite respectful. I thought, oh, no, he doesn't want to talk it. And he was, I think one of the lads said, go on, go on, give him something for the podcast. Go on, son. So, so I got my phone out in the, in the, and I said to him, you know, you know, do you fancy answer a few questions? I hope you don't mind. And as far as I remember, he was very happy for me to, to do that. So, yeah, fair play to him. <laughs> well, well let, let, let's have a quick listen to that now. I'm here with Ellis's dad, Rich. I've got one question to you, Rich. Should, were, were Bristol robbed tonight? I think they were robbed, but overall in the game, I thought Leicester were give them a good game, but they were robbed. Someone should have put the ball into the right place to play, and they never. And Rich, are you are you happy that Ellis is coming back to, to Bristol? I'm over the moon. Bet you are. Me and my family are over the moon. And he's going to give 110%. He's going to give 110% for Leicester tonight, and he's going to give 110% for Bristol next. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously someone very proud of their son and uh, looking forward to seeing him back in a Bristol shirt next season. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and uh, great stuff. I've got to say, uh, it, partly because of circumstances, having a kind of what might be considered a, a free, if not a free pass, a, a well-discounted pass after the game. It was, I had such a laugh. I've got to say, I had such good fun uh, chatting to a, some real proper rugby stalwarts in that sport. I mean, some big units I came up against and uh, and I had to show a massive respect to a lot of boys. They know, a lot. some of these boys I was chatting to have, have, have been away to places like London Scottish and like, tell me stories of how they managed to get 17 people in with one ticket through a turnstile, all that sort of stuff. It was brilliant stuff. So I had a great time and then it was nice. To, and I and I just can only apologise to all those people where, if I make any mistakes in my analysis. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so so that was the game. Let's, uh, let's just look at some of the performances. Uh, Miles, if I come to you first, uh, in, in the pack, who, uh, who, who stood out for you? Um, I thought Joycey was just magnificent. I mean, I, I think we sort of, get, well, I sort of guessed that him and uh, Vui would play second row. And they were just fantastic, both of them in the line. So much passion. I mean, fair enough, down at the gate, he, he always puts in a lot of passion. I think he, he, he was a standout performance. And Fitzharding was, was unquestionably just brilliant at number eight. I thought Sam Jeffries had a good first half as well. And again, I don't know if that was a tactical switch for Heenan coming on at halftime or whether whether there was a knock. But uh, uh, he, I, I, he, he certainly caught my eye as well. And another solid performance, I thought, with, with Jan Thomas. Lee, let me, let me come to you uh, in, the, in the backs. Who, who caught your eye? Well, I, I think we've already mentioned uh, Harry Randall, I thought, was brilliant. Um, you know, he kept things ticking over, just that speed of thought, that process. Uh, for me, he stood out more than anyone. Again, we've already mentioned Sheedy, you know, generally his kicking, um, his point kicking was great. Um, I, we had spells of Semi and Bedlow doing quite well, didn't we? But um, it wasn't quite the performance I was expecting from, from either of them, but, but they were both solid, obviously, as one of, to use one of Miles's words. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say Randall for me, and and I thought Lloyd did well against, you know, some some big opposition. Um, I, even though I wouldn't personally say he was a you know a, a winger for me, but I thought I thought Lloyd did did well as well. Um, and obviously Purdy was was just as usual self really, wasn't he? Absolutely, Pete. Let me come to you. I, I thought interesting that uh, often Pat 
kind of unloads the full bench uh, during a game. Uh, but I think the pack remained unchanged until um, the 72nd minute when, when Walmore came on for Jan Thomas. Uh, and even then, Thacker and uh, Sinclair saw out the full 80. Is, is there anything you can read into that? I mean, Capon didn't come on, Lahif didn't come on, uh, O'Connor didn't come on. Um, you know, is this maybe Pat trying to keep people a bit fresh for um, for Exeter yeah. in six days' time? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I, I just think there comes a point sometimes in games where you just you're looking at the way it's going, you're looking at momentum, and you, you, I mean, I'm sure they've got like real time updates on fitness levels, and and it and it it just feels good. It just it did feel right that Thacker and Sinclair had that full game. It, it and uh, I mean, Lua too. I mean, they were immense. Those boys. I mean, I just want to take a step back and think how immense that was. Those boys that did the full eighty given the defensive effort we've said, and I just think, you know, it's all very well us picking here and there, but what an amazing, like, what what specimens they were. And I, I actually go back to what Lee said about Semi and Bedlow. I mean, they must have got through a lot of defensive work as well. And I think, I mean, it, it, it didn't quite work offensively. I mean, I do wonder a little bit about Semi. Have we really yet worked out how to use him as a weapon? I think we were chatting about this tone in the in the game, is that... Off first phase, it just seems like it's too obvious to give it to him, and you know he gets wrapped up by players. But he's he is is most dangerous when we when we are hitting the ball at speed. We're getting quick ball, like like the try when Harry Randall gave him quick ball, and he had that little half yard. So I still think we've got work in progress to to use somebody. But he is a he is a physical this is physicality both in offensive and offense and offense. Sorry, what am I talking about? In attack and defense was it does make a difference. And I think Bedlow is a perfect a perfect literally bed bedfellow for uh semi. And I'd like to see that partnership developed, to be honest. And no disrespect to Piers O'Connor, but I think I like that partnership a lot. Yeah, Lee, over to you. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, Tony. I think that, you know, seeing the likes of Morahan and um, and Dan Thomas and, and Atwood warming up on the bench, I mean, don't forget... No, no, I mean, no, no, Atwood. Um, no. Was he, he not in the line? I don't, oh, yes, he I mean, was. Just, no, he, he was did. Yes, 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 yeah. he was, wasn't he? Because he had his white scrum cap on, yeah? yeah, yeah. And that galloping gait. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, I, I mean, I do think as... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, unless it's been cancelled. Are Chiefs not playing a certain team from up the road tomorrow? It's been right? cancelled. It's just been cancelled. Oh, that's been cancelled, is it? Ah, yeah. okay. I mean, I do think that prior to that, and I, I do think that these boys were being rested for the Chiefs game. So, um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's Pat, like keep the, the, the reason he did keep the front row on, I think because obviously we, you know, we know we've got a big game coming up in a few days' time, and then in Chiefs and um, Luke Morahan always seems to play well against Chiefs, and it's Andy Park. So I, I do think we'll probably get onto that a little bit later um, uh, when we talk about the kind of uh, the team, the squad announcements and stuff. And um, but I, I do think that was packed, you know, resting a few players ready for for the next game. I, ju- I just in? don't know why we're resting. An international quality player like Morahan, who hasn't played that much this season, he was in the squad for Stad. He's, we just assumed he picked up an injury. He's there warming up. I just don't, I don't understand why he can't play two games in a week. The quality that he has, and I just, no, I know that full well there'll be a reason that we don't know. 
But well, I just find it hard to think, why can't he play two games in a row? I mean, you, we have to remember, though, he has come back from an injury, hasn't he? And we don't, again, they, we're... They've had three weeks off. But we're unaware of the extent of what that injury was. Yeah, I'm was, sure there is a reason. I find it hard. It was just a hard one to, to understand. And we, you know, we don't know because we don't have any info. So it's, it's, it's a tricky one, that. Yeah, it certainly is a fan when you saw Atwood, Nathan Hughes, uh, Morahan, uh, Dan Thomas warming up as some of the, you know, just-in-case replacements. There's a lot of quality that we had available yeah. that we knew weren't injured, that, you know, yeah. they might have had to step in to, you know, to the subs bench. Uh, it, it, it felt that, I don't know, if, you, if you'd added those four to the 23, might there have been a different outcome? Yeah. Anyway, we, we we could debate that for, for a long time. Uh, Miles... Final comment. <laughs> final comment on the like, on the, the game, comment, and then we'll move on. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, without Dan Thomas, I thought we we our, our breakdown was pretty slow, and it just proved because we got two penalties against us, didn't we? Because we were just too slow in the breakdown. And you're right. Maybe someone of his quality could have just been the turning point. Right. Well, uh, let's let's look at some of the other games that uh, happened. Uh, Saracens beat Worcester sixty-one points to twenty-nine. Uh, Wasps thirty-eight uh, uh, win uh, against Irish. They beat Irish thirty-eight uh, thirty. And then uh, I think a few people might have tuned in just to catch the the back end of the game after ours, uh, where Bath managed to keep their run of losing every league game this season. I think that's zero from 10 now. uh, And they lost 20 points to 40 to Gloucester. And Gloucester, I've got to say, uh, you know, the more you see them play, the the better and better they look. Uh, and then the game today on Bank Holiday Monday looked like an entertaining one. Quinns 41, Northampton Saints 27. Um, so, uh, sorry? That was a hell of a game, by the way, because Saints were, were 21-7 up, I think, after, you know, early on. And that was, uh, that was a cracking game. Well, you, you look at the points that were scored uh, this weekend. I mean, I think we, we were the lowest scoring one with a, a total of 54 points. But, uh, you know, everywhere between 54 and 90 points. Some, uh, some wonderful rugby for uh, fans to see over, you know, this, uh, this Christmas holiday. And, uh, you know, I'm just very grateful that fans in Bristol and around uh, the Premiership did actually see some games because... You know, a few days before Christmas, that was looking as if it could be touch and go. Right, let's move on. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Bears Beyond Gate, and on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Uh... Right, next game uh, against Exeter uh, on New Year's Day. It's a 4.30 kickoff at Sandy Park uh, and it's uh, it's the game that's on BT Sport. Pete, let me come to you first. Uh, thinking about the the squad for the game, um, if you, you maybe look at the forwards, uh, what do you see Pat changing, uh, if, if anything, from uh, the team that uh, just were so close to beating Leicester? 
Well, I mean, it's this difficult one. I, I just think, yeah, it's hard to say why can't he go out. As if they get a good recovery this week, I, I, you know, keep the same, keep the momentum going. I mean, Sinclair had his pecker up, regardless of whether we debated about whether Genji got one over on him or not. He, he was. He, it's good to have him in there. Um, I thought I, I've got to say I thought Thacker was impressive when I when I look back over the game again this morning I just thought he was around the park he's strong he's physical I you know I like a I like a a, a, a thacker with his pecker up um, and Jan Thomas yeah I mean he you know he's a, he's a you don't want to be facing Jan Thomas really in a scrum and, and I think Joycey as well one thing I did glean from uh, my my little odyssey was that sometimes some forwards just get told the only thing you've got to do on Saturday is clear out rucks, make tackles, and generally be filthy. And you're not going. And I think Joycey didn't get much line out ball. It was mainly Vui and Luatua, wasn't it? And and I like that. I that's what we've been saying. I like the fact that there are certain forwards who were just told to cause chaos. So I'd like to see Joycey back in. I mean, if he's feeling fit, he's such an important player to our our team. And um, again, and, and you know, I can't see it. Like, how would you drop Harding if he's fit? He's young. You know, it's another big game. So you just got, we want to win every game. So you play your best play. Harding, and um, yeah, I mean, Lua Tua was, was brilliant again, wasn't he? Um, uh, and, but again, it's all, I mean, we don't know how they're feeling today. I'm sure they're feeling a lot worse than I am, to be honest, or maybe not quite as worse. But um, I, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, we don't know about John Afoa. If he is, you know, maybe that is a plan that he'll, he'll be on the bench or he'll start and Sint comes on for him. I don't know. Um, it's hard to say, but you know, if we could, if they're all fit and ready, I, I like. They they know they they they've they know that they took the league leaders to task, and like, why can't they that take that confidence to Sunday Park and and having you know done it at Sunday Park as well in the past, why not? So it's hard to say unless we know Knox. I'd like I'd, I'd say why not start with the same lineup? And and we've noticed that for the last couple of games, the unavailable list hasn't been on the uh, on the website. And again, it's disappointing. We've talked about this before on the podcast that as fans, we seem to get less and less information about the status of things like injuries, availability of players, length of contracts. Uh, but you have to think, uh, you know, if a foe is fit, he's going to come back into the 23. Uh, and possibly, do you, do you think, you know, we saw Atwood there warming up. Uh, yeah. Do you not have Atwood at least back in the 23, Pete? Yeah, I think so. I, 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 mean, I He has to be. I mean, I, lo- I, I love Chris Vui, but I love... I love hearing the sound of the phrase Atwood and Joyce to me. <laughs> and I don't think they'd like that down Exeter. <laughs> so, but where do you put Vui? Do you put him? I mean, maybe Vui goes to the goes to sticks and, you know, like he has done. And, and, you know, Sam Jeffries drops out and Heenan's on the bench as the go-to man as normal. And, and we have a, we have an Atwood Joyce. We have a Sinclair. I mean, how filthy does this sound? Sinclair, Thacker, Thomas, Atwood, Joyce, Vui, Lua Tua, Harding. I mean, that's not a bad little combo, is it? Well, if if, if you had, a, you can throw in a Hughes and a, a, a Dan Thomas as well, and uh, that uh, that would be a pretty strong group of forwards, wasn't it, Lee? I think you wanted to come in on something. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, actually, just tagging along with what Pete said. I mean, for me, Joe Joyce put in such a shift, and. It was, uh, I I would say it was the type of shift that he's been told. He goes into the Tigers game and he and he causes as much chaos as he can. But I can see 
him doing that for for, for I mean he, he looked absolutely shot when he came off the pitch and and I think I think personally I mean I could be absolutely totally wrong and I usually am but I think that's the reason for that is because Big Dave is going to be coming back into the second row that's that's my own personal opinion mm. yeah. I think also for me I think Jeffrey's we don't know about that injury um, but I do, I do see Dan Thomas coming back into uh, it seven. Um, so I, I think it will be. I agree with you, Tone. I think Afoa comes back. Um, Fax and Jan Thomas, but then I think Atwood and Vui second row. I've got Lua to at six, uh, Dan Thomas seven, and and again Fitzarden at eight. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a good point, and you know we should note when Miles does make a good point on the show because they are collectors' items. That uh, the, the, your, your your point about Dan Thomas and his ability to get over the ball and you know protect it, but also to win it back in the breakdown. I think there's nobody better at the club uh, for, in that role, and I think you know you're going to need that to uh, to with a, a filthy Exeter pack let's face it every time you play Exeter uh, that, that there is filth isn't there and they're they're tight eight miles let me come to you then um you know following the two tight heads uh call from last week I'm going to come to you on the back so we're going to see a c- c- couple of fly halves or a couple of scrum halves in starting lineup maybe I don't know. These could be strange times and strange tactics from Pat. But I, but I think uh, I think we're going to play the, the the correct player in the correct position in the backs this this weekend. I mean, obviously Toby Frickett looked like he sort of pulled his elbow in his arm, didn't he? And then got taken off early. So yeah, I mean, maybe that needs a week him out rehabilitating. But you know, we'll, we'll pull Purdy back in. But I would I would love to see Morahan back in. He was as I said, he was training as backup. So I think. You you know, um, Purdy and Morahan would be, if they are both fit, my number one starts. I don't think you can change Callum, uh, Harry Randall. He was fantastic with Urena's backup. Sheedy, well, yeah, he, he played well. He kicked brilliantly, so were him. And I think, yeah, I'd like to see Bedloe and Ran Ranger pair again in the centres. Although I thought Bedloe was a bit quiet and it was hard to sort of see where he was being used on the pitch much. Um, but Defect tackling? <laughs> Well, yes. Quite a lot of that. In attack, I mean, I know we've said that Piers has been a bit insignificant this season, but it was tough. I mean, Leicester are brilliant. But I think um, in the back line, I'd like to see Bedler and Randa Randa pair again and and Charles Charles at uh, fullback. I, th- I, th- I think you're right. Bedlow to me feels like the the natural inside centre. Uh, where I think I think you know you look at Piers maybe more more of a thirteen. Um, and anybody got any comments then on the the, the backs, Pete? You wanna you wanna say something? Yeah, I mean I, I agree with well I do actually agree with everything he said there. Um, but uh, I think Moran. I, I just don't understand. Why he's got to play. I I, I don't. Understand. I'd be really disappointed if he's not actually starting I, I just think and I'm sure oh yeah I'll probably look stupid because he probably will but it does then question like does Lloyd go back to our kind of utility uh utility sub and I just think I thought he played well Lloyd and, and my, but you know it, again it made me debate and this is a wider question we might come back to another time is that what is his best position and I don't think wing like we're looking at his long-term future 
he's not big enough to be, I think, an international fullback or an international centre, uh, international winger. But he could be a, an international 10. But he's not getting a chance to be a 10 at Bristol. Um, and I, you know, I'm not saying he should be at 10 against Exeter because I don't think that'll happen because I think we still we have to rely on Sheedy's kicking because, I mean, Lloyd has let himself down with his kicking. But it's a kind of conundrum for the future, that one, about... Where does his future lie? But I mean, I think he will probably drop to the the utility bench. Um, he's got like a big wide bench that he sits on. I imagine that he, he's he's not sure which position he's going to be on. But um, and I just would be disappointed if Morahans doesn't start. Absolutely, absolutely, Lee. You want to come in on something? I just wanted to say, Tone. I, I think with Miles's. Uh, predictions there for for the backs. I think Miles might actually, for the first time ever, be correct in his in his team selection. <laughs> I think I, I genuinely do think that Purdy will come back in, and I do think Morahan will come back in. And I think you know, let it be known now, whatever point this is in the pod, that Miles might have been right. Yeah. Once. He's not. He's not a clown this week, is he? <laughs> he's redeemed himself. He, he, he's on top form. Okay, let's uh, let's have some predictions then. Uh, Lee, I'm going to come to you first, then Miles, then Pete. So, uh, tough trip down the M5 to Sandy Park, Lee. How do you see it going? Yeah, unfortunately, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna rule with my head this time. Um, I see us getting narrowly beaten in this one. Twenty-one fifteen for me, Tone. Unfortunately. 21.15 miles. You've been to Sandy Park once or twice. Do you see the Bears pulling off a, a victory down there? We've, we've got some pretty good recent form uh, down there. We have. And I think, the, the, yeah, you're right. And I think the last victory, the scoreline wasn't that big, was it? It was around, I don't know, it was a few years ago, around sort of 12 9 or something close. So it could be tight. And, and they're an excellent team at home. So I'm going to go for 15 12 to Bristol. Right. And uh, Pete, your thoughts? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the recovery this week because I think we expended a lot of physical and emotional effort on uh, yesterday. But I'm hoping, and I'm kind of almost contradicting myself now saying that we should have the same team go out. But if we play like we played against Leicester and we get that confidence from it, then there's nothing to fear from Exeter. I really believe this. I think given that they've had a... You know, I mean, I know they're up at the top of the table, but they haven't really fired that well. And I think they'll be more worried about seeing us, how we played this weekend, than 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 they would have been maybe a couple of weeks ago. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be positive. I think we we we've we've got a, we've got a good record at Sandy Park now. So I'm, I'm it's gonna be tight though. I think it's gonna be tight as as uh, as well, I won't say what Lord Lee usually says because it's family program, but uh, family family show, but tight. And I think it could be a you know. Like something like nineteen eighteen to Bristol, <laughs> if that's possible. I don't know if that's possible, but uh, sure well, it must be. You've you've said it now. You took long enough to say yeah. it, so I've, I've written it down. <laughs> uh, well, everyone else has a go at saying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> not not quite that long, I don't think. Um, oh, good uh, points though. I I I do agree that um, I I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what the reaction is from from the team. You know, are they going to be deflated after that last minute defeat, or is that is that going to really fire them up? Of course, Exeter have had a uh, they haven't had a game this uh, this this weekend, so um, 
unfortunately, I'm going to be pessimistic. I'm going to go for a 21 to 20 Exeter win. I think they'll they'll just grind it out. Um, so there. Uh, just before we we finish uh, the pod, uh, a bit of um, I suppose breaking, not so much breaking news, breaking speculation. I think there was a bit in the rugby paper, and other people have picked it up that uh, potentially a team in the Premiership uh, is being questioned about a possible salary cap breach. Now, uh, I think Bristol Bears fans uh, probably had a bit of a sigh of relief because I think the article said they were uh, the, the team involved or a top six team. Um, and let's face it, we haven't been anywhere near the top six for uh, <laughs> this season. Um, and, and the article also said that it, it wasn't Saracens, um, but it's certainly causing a lot of interest. And Pete, I think one of maybe without naming the, the podcast, one of our uh, follow podcast uh, uh, groups for another premiership team has been in contact asking is it us they slipped into my dms and uh yeah i uh, they were they were wondering whether the oracles as we are known (laughs) would have any idea and i just said look I, 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 I just repeated what, what you said is that I understood it was a top six side. Therefore, it clearly wasn't going to be us. Um, and actually, I just find it, I, I find it hard to believe that, well, I just find it hard to believe that anybody has, has, has done this unless it's a kind of unintentional admin kind of cock up where they kind of, you know, just added it up wrong or something. But yeah, I, I, you know, it'd be interesting. It, it's, it's going to be, and interesting, if it does come out, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, they're going to hit them hard, aren't they? Because it's not as if people have been warned. Well, it's going to be interesting because what the sanctions will be, I, I can't remember, they are laid down now, but um, in a season when there's no relegation, can you relegate a premiership mm. team if, yeah. uh, if if it's a bad breach and they, they've been naughty as opposed well, to just, just they, uh, not careful with how, how they've done things? Maybe this comes to our idea, sorry, Lee, but maybe this comes to our idea that if they are found out, the only punishment could be is that all the other fans from the other clubs have to design their home shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we are. Well, boys, that's it. Uh, the final podcast of 2021. Thank you so much for your comments, your company and uh, your insight over, over the last uh, 52 weeks. Um, and uh, I'm sure we're all, as Bristol Bears fans, looking forward to uh, a much better 2022 uh, than certainly the the back end of 2021. Uh, so that's it for the show. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our review of the Exit Game and a preview of Sales Visit to Ashton Gate. Until next time, goodbye, stay safe, and come on, Briz. Thank you.